Welcome to our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast. This podcast series is sponsored by the Marquette Forum with support from Marquette University's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion and the Haggerty Museum of Art. It's an extension of a Marquette University mural project to highlight and uplift diverse women-identified individuals whose images and contributions have been systematically made invisible. The artist, Mauricio Ramirez, used photographs of BIPOC women associated with Marquette as inspiration for the images in the mural. The Our Roots Say That We're Sisters podcast preserves the stories of female-identifying students, faculty, staff, and alumni who've used their gifts to make a meaningful impact on others, especially those who remain unsung heroes. I'm your host, Sheena Carey, from the Diedrich College of Communication. us today is Gadir Ayesh, 2016 alum in biomedical sciences and neurosurgery physician assistant. Welcome, Gadir. Thank you. What's the story you'd like to share with us today? Oh, a long story. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. First, thank you for having me here today. But I am a first-generation Arab-American Muslim, <laughs> and I one of my first to graduate in the family with a bachelor's degree, as well as then going on and getting a master's degree. I'm a PA, so kind of working like that. But I kind of have different hats here. <laughs> Today, if you ask me, my, my story is I'm a mom. You know, I've got a beautiful daughter. I've got another one on the way. And she's kind of my inspiration, the, the person that pushes me to be better. But I hope I'm the best version of myself today. But it took a while to get there. My parents um, are from Palestine and they immigrate, immigrated here to the U.S. shortly after they got married. My dad was 19. My mom was 17. And they were hoping to kind of start a new world, make a new life and build a family here because they wanted better for their future children um, than what they had overseas. So I went to kind of a small town school, went to a private school where everyone's the same as me. They're all first generation Arab American Muslims. <laughs> so a little sheltered kind of growing up. And then I go to Marquette. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. I met a lot of my super close friends there, but learned who I was at Marquette, grew as a person, and then became a PA. And here I am. <laughs> so what set you on that path? The path to becoming a PA. Well... <laughs> and becoming your best and version become, of yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I come from a very small town in Palestine called Deda Dubuan. My parents grew up there, and after they immigrated here, they still wanted to be stick to their roots. And so every year or so, we always packed up the family and we traveled over there and spent the entire summer there. And so it holds a very dear place in my heart. And so I actually ended up living there for three years when I was super young. And it's under occupation, very impoverished, very small, humble town, farm life. Everyone's a farmer there. But access to healthcare was extremely limited. There wasn't a hospital in the town that I'm in or in the village. So the closest one was in Ramallah. And so you'd need to drive the 30 minutes or sometimes 45, sometimes longer, depending on, you know, if there are checkpoints, if you were stopped. And so it was very hard to get any access to care. And it wasn't until actually my grandfather, my late grandfather, he had diabetes, which I mean, 
in today's world, that's a very manageable disease. <laughs> but back in the early 2000s, you know, in Palestine, that's not something that's very easy to manage. And so he ended up getting extremely sick, and then he got pneumonia, and then he we tried to get an ambulance and took too long and he didn't get the good care and he ended up passing away. Something that's easily preventable and treatable here in today's world. And so that, that story kind of sticks with me because ever since then, it's like, well, we could have given him the help he needed if, if we were in the U.S. or if we were somewhere else or if things were a little bit different. And so I always kind of wanted to grow up and it wasn't really PA that I wanted to be. It was just I wanted to be in healthcare. I wanted to help people and to be able to do for others what was not done for my family. And in order to do that as a Muslim woman in today's society, it's difficult. And so I learned early on that if I wanted to succeed, if I wanted to do what I wanted while looking the way I looked, it takes a little dedication, <laughs> a little drive. It wasn't easy. There was a lot of pushback. There was a lot of people questioning like who I was and what I was doing there. Am I qualified? And so so that always pushed me. That's my personality is I want to prove you wrong. You don't think I can do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to even go a step up beyond that. And so that kind of, oh, I do that in every aspect of my life in whether it's my schoolwork or whether it's work or even personal relationships is I always strive to go beyond your expectations just to prove to myself that I'm able to. And, and that made me the best version of myself for myself personally, but also for my husband and for my daughters and for my family in general. So then you talked uh, about your grandfather and um, some of his challenges and kind of wanting to be in a position to kind of help, especially along the health field. But what are some other ways that your identity has informed the choices that you've made in life? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of brought this up, but like you look at me and you know exactly who I am potentially, and you've already formed judgments based on what I look like. I think I know. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, so I am clearly Muslim. You see it by the hijab that I wear, and I embody kind of Islam in everything I do or say. And so it's always on the forefront in terms of I'm representing myself, but I'm also representing my religion and my culture, which, I mean, for some people, they say it's really not fair that you have to represent an entire people, but I mean, it is. A lot of people, especially like being at Marquette, they never encountered uh, a Muslim before. They've never seen, they don't know what a hijab is. They don't know where Palestine is. And so just kind of being that spokesperson and embodying that in everything that I say and do and all of my decisions, it catapults me into where I want to be and how I want to present myself. And unfortunately, being part of the non-dominant culture, we're always often asked to be representative. Yes. <laughs> whether whether we can or not, right? Now you you've got a certain claim to fame. <laughs> Um, which one of these are you? So clearly, yes, the last one, <laughs> the one in the hijab, the one so, in the scarf. So tell us a little bit about that, how, how you got to be a part of that and, you know, and, and how that makes you feel. It's honestly the most surreal thing ever. You know, I told you before, my husband is my biggest kind of cheerleader and supporter and anybody he meets. Did you know that my wife is on the wall? She's on the mural in Marquette. And it's like, oh God, it's embarrassing. Just like relax for a minute. But I mean, it is pretty amazing. I mean, this didn't happen until years later after I graduated from Marquette. And it's just by word of mouth, like 
the, I want to say the multicultural kind of the people of color at Marquette, they're limited. And it seems like, at least at my time, everybody knew everybody. And so if I don't know you, my friend knows you. <laughs> and that's kind of how bonds came together. There were a lot of people I wasn't friends with, and then my friends would become friends with them. And then all of a sudden, we're all hanging out and talking and chatting. And that's how this came to be. A friend of my husband's, she contacted him and said, hey, we're looking for these amazing women who can represent women of color, alumni, or someone having to do with Marquette who has a story to share and wants to share that story. And we want your wife to be a part of it. And my husband, before he even asked me, he's like, yes, yes, she will do it. She wants to be a part of that. And it was honestly surreal. I didn't I had an idea what it was going to be, but I really didn't have a full scope of how big it was going to be. But I'm, I honestly feel honored that I'm being represented with these other women of color because they're all beautiful and they're all amazing and they all kind of stand up for themselves and their culture and kind of everything they embody is just amazing. It's nice to me because, especially the name, our roots say that we're sisters. If anybody knows me, they know that my best friends are my sisters. There's no one closer to me because we grew up together. We shared so many experiences and traumas, the good, the bad, the ugly, like my sisters have been there for me through and through. Even no matter what happens throughout the day, we joke around because I'm like, I talked to you 20 minutes ago. How do you still have more to say to me and call me back? But they're my people. And that's what this represents. You know, just because we're not blood, we're still sisters. We still share the same ideologies. So it really kind of resonated with me, especially since a lot of my close sisters, too, are from Marquette. So I love it. It's, it makes me happy and proud every time I hear about her or see it. <laughs> so you referred to your husband several times. Were you married as an undergrad? As we were not. Students? No, but we actually went to Marquette together. Oh, okay. So we actually grew up together. He was living in Jordan for a while, and he moved to the States when he, or back to the States in eighth grade. So we actually went to high school together. I didn't really know him very well. We our paths didn't cross. We didn't talk much. And then we ended up at Marquette together and became friends at Marquette. But then it wasn't until way until after I became a PA where we actually started talking and getting to know each other. And then we got married back after that. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like he's, he's one of your big champions. He really definitely. is. He really is. Yes. So who are your heroes who are sheroes? However yeah, you want to, who and, are the women of color? That you know, have? it's, and, I, and I've said it before, it's the women in my life, my sisters, my mother, just the friends that I've made through EOP and through Marquette, we're still super close till this day and we talk all the time. I mean, my sisters are absolutely amazing. They are mothers, they work, they have their own kind of accomplishments. And I always look to them no matter what for advice, for kind of just needing to figure something out or just to look. It's like, what would, what would Halam do or what would Abir do? And it's like, they are the ones that kind of I look up to. Even my younger sister, my younger sister is a year younger than me. And I still look up to her. And I, even with helping this, and I'm like, I need some help. I need to figure out what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do. And you're just so articulate and, and everything you do is what I want to embody. And same thing with my mom. I think we wouldn't be the women we are today if it's not for her. She got married at 17 and she never finished high school and she moved to a whole new country raising seven kids. Like, <laughs> what is that? You don't see that today. And then for her to raise seven amazing kids, you know, each one of my siblings is unique and amazing in their own way finished high school. She took some like college classes, took care of my grandma. Like she's just superwoman. <laughs> and I 
couldn't have a better role model than them. And I have a few friends as well who we went through EOP together that we still talk to this day. And they're all phenomenal women in their own way. So kind of looking up to them as well. What role has vulnerability played in in how your story has unfolded? Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. I mean, being vulnerable, it comes with the territory, honestly. Like, if you are not vulnerable constantly in every decision you make, especially, you know, being, being first generation, being Arab, being Muslim, just not knowing what you're doing or where you're going. I make fun of like myself all the time. And I say, I'm in a constant state of imposter syndrome <laughs> because like, it, it doesn't seem real. Like for me to be in this place where I always envisioned I would be in, you know, and it takes a certain kind of vulnerability to kind of not only comprehend that and understand that, but then work towards empowering yourself and, and getting yourself to where you want to be. What role have your your sisters in terms of women of color played in helping you navigate that vulnerability and rise to whatever challenges they've presented? Each of my sisters is my therapist in a different way. (laughs) I'm always able to be vulnerable with them, no judgments. You know, whether it's I want to be a PA, but I don't know if I can get in. And then pushing me, striving me to be, be better. Or I struggles with like certain personal issues or being a mom. They're just constantly there. You know, no one becomes a mom and there's no instruction manual. You don't know what you're doing. So, and it's my sisters and my mom and my friends, you know, there's that level of trust and that lo- level of loyalty where I'm like, I know I can be vulnerable with you and tell you what's going on in my heart or in my head. And there's no judgments, you know, you're going to be there for me and you're going to help me throughout whatever struggle I'm going through without kind of looking the other way, always having my back. And kind of practicing vulnerability in a safe space. Has it made it then easier for you to be vulnerable outside of those kinds of spaces? Yes and no. (laughs) It's still difficult. You know, it's easier to be vulnerable with like the people that are closest to you. I sometimes, you know, it growing up the way you do, you have hard experiences living under occupation and just kind of like sharing some traumatic experiences and, and just trying to navigate the world. You share a certain bond, but it also gives you a little bit of a harder shell. So it does make it a little bit harder sometimes to be vulnerable with other people or people that you meet new. I told you my husband and I, we were friends for a while and it took a long time before we actually like started, you know, before our relationship changed. And that's part of the reasons because of that hard shell, because it is sometimes hard to be vulnerable with a person just because of the hard experiences that you've been through or their struggles. But it makes it all more worth it once you get past that vulnerability and kind of get to where you want to be. I know you said a lot of your friends, your sisters, have come from within this environment, Marquette's environment. What role has or what impact has Marquette had on who you are, where you're going, where you've been? Yeah. So I, like I said, I grew up in, I went to school at a private school, Saddam school. So it's right on the South side and everyone looks like me, talks like me, acts like me, been through the same, it understands the same struggles that I've been through. So it was always easy until I went to Marquette, made things a little bit challenging. You know, you think you know who you are or what you stand for and then be thrown into an environment where no one is like you. And you're like, Ooh, Let's start thinking things through and and figuring out how we want to approach things. But it made me a stronger person because obviously most of the people that go to Marquette do not look like me, (laughs) but it helped shape me into kind of the strong 
kind of independent person that I am. You know, I started off being with EOP. That was kind of my first introduction into Marquette. And that was kind of the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I tell people that all the time. <laughs> Doing the, the summer program before freshman year, my close friends till this day are the ones I was with in EOP. Um, I don't think I would have gotten through without them because it is difficult, you know, if you don't know anybody and people don't look like you or speak like you or embody the same beliefs or traditions as you or faith. It's a struggle, but it boosted me up. Right. And especially there's, I don't know if it's called, I think it's called something different, but at my time it was called the CIE, the Multicultural Center. Mm -hmm. I know any time of the day or week I can just stroll in there and there'll be a multitude of of different people kind of sitting there. I don't even know who you are, uh, but just sitting there and hanging out and talking and saying, hey, this is another person of color just gives you that sense of calm. My activism also was uprooted at that time too. Being a part of, at one point, I was president of the Students for Justice in Palestine organization there. So kind of, it helped me solidify my beliefs about my country, but it also helped me understand more about what was going on, but also help other people understand too. Make my voice heard like, hey, get out of your shell. Listen to what's going on elsewhere. Listen to a new perspective, even if you don't agree with it. Just being part of even the like soror the gammas and the betas, or even with kind of so many different organizations, the Black Student Union. We were constantly like joining forces with different events and organizing different rallies and stuff. So my activism really took root in those four years that kind of empowered me saying, hey, I'm a person of color, I'm a woman, but I'm in this rally of over a thousand people and I'm holding the megaphone here and I'm the one that's leading everybody. So it does empower you and it boosts you up and, and helps you figure out who you are in the world. What impact do you hope to have on women of color, those who are coming behind you, those who are walking with you, those who may have trod that path ahead of you? Yeah, yeah. I'm blessed that I have so many other women of color who have my back and who are there to help me and support me. I'm hopeful. I want to be that person for others. I want to be able to empower other people or they know that they could reach out to other people who would be able to help them because not everybody is as blessed, but I want other, not only, I just want other women of color to be empowered. I don't want them to shrink back and change their course or change their path based on feeling uncomfortable or from the way they look or because their culture is a little different than everybody else. I want to be that person that empowers them to move forward and accomplish anything that they want to achieve, all of their goals, and do better than me. <laughs> I struggled and it took a while to get to where I am today, but maybe the people after me, they don't have to go through that struggle. Maybe it'll be easier for them. The mentorship program, I would love to be a mentor. I've had so many people who will randomly like message me on Instagram or even LinkedIn or even from a friend of a friend and say, hey, this person or I'm looking to do one, two, three. Can you help me? I don't know who you are. Of course, I'll help you. I'll give you advice. I'll, I'll answer any questions you have because if you don't have that person, how would you ever know? I was blessed to have those women, those people in my life to answer my questions, but a lot of people don't have that. Even if it's not with career, with school, I'm a mom too. I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember I, I struggled at the beginning and my sisters all, they rallied up and they came over. They're like, this is what you need to do. This is how you care for her baby. <laughs> they gave us a crash course on what to do. And I've had so many of my friends since then have babies and they messaged me. They're like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's get started. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. 
if I was blessed to have that, I want to be that person for other people as well. So what are your hopes for the future, your future, the future of Marquette, and just the future in general for, yeah. our, for our world? I, my husband and I have been talking about that a lot. So we've got one daughter and we've got another girl on the way. So not the easiest, but all we talk about is what do we hope for our daughters? And I do, I want them to have all the opportunities in the world, but I don't want them to struggle as much as we did. I don't want my daughters to have to shrink back or feel not ashamed, but like feel different. Oh, I'm wearing a scarf. There's no one else in my entire kind of cohort who wears a scarf and feel uncomfortable with that. They should love their faith, love God and love who they are, no matter where they're at and just feel comfortable in their own skin. The sky's the limit for the, my daughters and for everybody else, for all future generations, no matter what they want to do, they should never hold themselves back based on their faith or what they look like or who's around them. So what would you like the community, and when I say community, it could be Marquette's community or community that you identify with, what would you want that community to know about you and your journey? I'm just a person. <laughs> I'm not intimidating. A lot of people might think I'm a little intimidating. Some people might think standoffish. But the amount of clothing that I wear doesn't change anything. I've had so many interactions at Marquette where it's been a little questionable just because of assumptions or stereotypes made. So rather than assume something based on what you think you know, look for it yourself. Get answers yourself. I'm an open book. I always tell people that if you come and talk to me and ask me any question, I will answer it as honestly as I can. So <laughs> I like, like I said, vulnerability is difficult, but I like to be vulnerable. I like to talk to people and I'm, I always strive to be the best version of myself. And I hope I can embody that. I hope I can make my family proud, my friends proud, Marquette proud too, because <laughs> Marquette made me who I am today. But I mean, there isn't much to me other than that. <laughs> Sounds like that's a lot. It is a little it bit. It is a lot to you. Thank you so much, Gadir, yeah, for sharing your you. story with us yes, today. I appreciate you having me. <laughs> Your story stands as a testament to the amazing stories in our community yet to be uncovered. Our roots say that we're sisters podcast and the mural project seek to make these stories visible. Again, thanks to our sponsor, the Marquette Forum, Marquette's Office of Institutional Diversity and Inclusion, and the Haggerty Museum of Art for your support for this project.